How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. It is locked on NBA. The coach is today's guest. So fired up to bring you this episode of Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. How are you? I'm David Locke, host of Locked On NBA, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have you found the Locked On Podcast Network? We have a daily podcast for you on your favorite NBA and NFL team each and every day. Plus, when the breaking story is happening around the league or the big story, you want to go to that Locked On podcast. So subscribe to Locked On NBA on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use to get it. Or, and subscribe to your favorite team. If it's Locked On Jazz, I'm the host. If it's Locked On Warriors, it's Danny LaRue. If it's Locked On whatever, it might be somebody else. So Brad Roland over at Locked On Hawks, whomever it might be. So grab that. Today's show is a really special one. This is something that we do at Locked On NBA that nobody else does, and it is we have the coach, the scout, the front office. I have guys around the league for my 25 years of being in the NBA who are willing to come on the show anonymously. We just don't say who they work for, what they do, or who who they are, it's anonymous, and they give us a breakdown of everything they're seeing. You're getting the guys that are breaking down film, preparing game plans, going to each of these games, making the deals, and they are giving you the inside scoop of what is taking place, what they're seeing, their expert point of view. You just have to trust me that they are who they are. And you know what? You can just decide on the content, because today's content is unbelievable. A player that that the coach thinks is going to be a superstar. Another that reminds him a little of Magic Johnson. A player who, coming off an injury he thinks has completely changed the team and made them legitimate. A possible surprise playoff team in the Eastern Conference. All those things coming up on today's program. By the way, today's program is brought to you by SeatGeek. We especially appreciate SeatGeek, the number one and only app, really, to go get your tickets for any upcoming event. Enter the promo code LOCKED, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after your first purchase. And from Athletes Collective. Athletes Collective, I yes, for those of you NBA people, it's the same one that my good friend Nate talks about, and that's how I found out about it, and now I am ecstatic. Athletes Collective is a sportswear company, offers premium athletic gear, Without the logo, so you get it 40 to 50% off. And again, the promo code LOCKED gets you 15% off your first order. So thanks to SeatGeek. Thanks to Athletes Collective. Please support our sponsors because they are the ones that allow you to get this program for free. And if you'd like to advertise on Locked on NBA, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. About 98% male, 25 to 54, 18 to 44. We're about 73% right in those demos. And love to have you aboard and podcast listeners are more likely to respond to sponsors than other media formats. So we are very, very excited to have you on board uh, and have would love to have you on board and have you supporting our sponsors, SeatGeek and Athletes Collective. All right, let's get it going. Here is today's edition of Locked on NBA with the coach. An NBA coach comes on the show anonymously to give you the inside scoop. Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, a week of the NBA season is probably not always enough, but I, I recall a few years ago uh, you saw the Warriors early and, and said to me, oh, my gosh, they're real. And I think there was a Damian Lillard sighting early. So 
the opening weeks of the season, there there are some messages that are real. and It's not all just feeling each other out here in the early part of the season. Uh, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of movement during the summer, obviously. And uh, I think you're you're seeing some early returns on some of the movements and then some of the others I think are going to take a little while to, to come together when you kind of mesh the new players, especially the – the players that uh, you know need to have the balls in their hands, and they got to figure out how to play with other guys on the team. So it's been it's been an interesting first uh, seven to ten days. So the team that has the most continuity, and then the team that has the biggest changes. Where we'll start the the Warriors. Obviously, we'll get to in a second. The team that has the most continuity of anyone in the league by a huge margin is the Clippers. They have looked fairly fabulous, including that major win against San Antonio. Are they? Are you seeing anything that says that they're that good, or is this a case that they have that continuity we're speaking of? They have the mo- that group has the most minutes played of anyone together. Um, I, I think I think it's a little bit of all that. What you said, just I've watched them a few times so far, and it was obviously a very impressive win against the uh, the Spurs the other night. Um, but they they have the biggest point differential so far. Um, they're plus twelve, you know, being five and one, and so they've really just kind of dominated teams. And you know, David, I think I think the biggest thing about them is the continuity, but also this is this is kind of it for them, right? I mean, they, you know, this year is, you know, if they don't if they don't live up to what they've been trying to build for the last three or four years, you, you got to think there's going to have to be some changes coming. So, from what I've been able to see and, and read a little bit, it sounds like they kind of embrace that, and they're just, you know, they're, they're going after it. They're going to see what happens. Well, let's dig into that for a second because it's kind of a – if you go back a year ago, I remember I asked Doc Rivers in a press conference, has your group had too many bad experiences together? They'd come off the Houston loss in the playoffs. This year, it's such a different tone. His comment to us this year in the media was, our guys want to finally be able to write their own script. They feel as though they were really robbed last year. Do you buy that a, that psychology as a group changes who they are? Uh, no, I think so. I think so. You know, last year they got a you know, bad break with Chris Paul getting hurt in the playoffs. And, I don't, you know, their, their year was good last year, but it was, I don't know that they were going to go challenge anybody uh, to win a championship. But they had the unfortunate break and leave the bad, bad taste in their mouth. So, but once again, you know, over the year, and then, you know, then DeAndre Jordan plays in the Olympics. And, you know, I, 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 I think they can, you know, those, these players talk during the summer. You know, that's one thing I think the casual fan doesn't realize. You know, they even though they go, you know, all over the world and spend their – you know, their summer's off, but they, they, they talk and, you know, they, they kind of come up with, Hey, you know, this is it. And we, you know, they start sharing what their message is going to be. And um, I think they've really come in and said, you know, this is, this is going to be our psyche. You know, I, I saw Chris Paul said, I know the teams, you know, think we whine and complain a lot and, you know, and, and they don't like us and, you know, they're embracing it. So, you know, good, good for them, you know, the internal leadership of that group to, to see, you know, build on that and go try to make something special. Cause like I said, I, I think they all kind of, understand the magnitude of this season and the moment that it has to go. The bench has always been the question there. Uh, you know, I'm a big J.J. Redick fan. If he can be as efficient as he was last year, I think they have four of the top 30 players in the league, probably two of the top 10. So the question is, do they have enough bench? What's your feeling on whether or not Austin Rivers is a two, Raymond Felton is a one, uh, Wesley Johnson is your three? Is that a good enough bench? Uh, well, I like – I think they all – Played pretty hard. Um, you know, Wesley Johnson's a nice utility player. He can do a lot of things for you. He can guard. Um, Austin, I, I got to hand it to Austin. After getting off to a tough start in his uh, career, uh, he's made himself a, a pretty nice player. I mean, I don't. I think he's in a perfect role there. Um, he can handle a little bit. He, you know, he can obviously score it. And 
I think I think because of the accountability of his dad a little bit, maybe it's kind of worked in a good way. Is he he has to be more of a two way player. So uh, I, I think their their you know their depth is fine. Obviously, you don't know until you get injuries. And I mean, let's come back to you saw what happened in the playoffs last year against Portland. I mean, if if Chris Paul or you know DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin goes out, you know then obviously it changes the whole thing. I mean, so we can talk about the bench all you want, but you got to keep those three guys going. So what you're really saying is, if Austin Rivers is only told to shoot, then he's okay. <laughs> All right, I said that. I said that. You didn't say that. All right, uh, let's move to the. Uh, I, I actually do think that him playing the two is the right answer because then you don't ask him to pass because he doesn't do it. Uh, let's go to the war. Let's go to the Warriors. Uh, okay. Let me go big picture actually for a second here. Uh, and maybe each circumstance is different. But San Antonio loses by 20 the other night. They lose by 16 to Utah. The Warriors have lost by 20 twice. Do you think that there's – does this tell? Does this mean anything to you as a, as a coach in the NBA? You see these teams early in the season losing by 20. Does that say anything to you about who – that there's something – that they're not as great as we think they are or that there might be something wrong? Does that jump out at you at all? David, I, obviously, you know I follow you on Twitter, and I follow all your stats and stuff you sent out, and I appreciated the, the stuff you sent out over the weekend about the, the teams that go on to win championships that you know don't lose by 20 early in the year. Um, but I, I have to respectfully disagree. Um, you know, they they they're they're a team in change a little bit. Obviously, you know they lost uh, Andrew Bogut, they lost Harrison Barnes, and you know, everybody knows they added you know Kevin Durant. Um, to me, their bench is a big big question mark. But even more so is they, you know, they have to figure out who they are and they have to develop an identity, and uh, it, it's going to take a while. And you know, I think you know we shared a stat earlier today that you know they're averaging 25 less passes a game uh, through the first you know six seven games of the year than they did last year. And one of the things that people don't realize how from last year and the year before is how much the ball moved with them. You know, they talk about you know they shoot threes and they play fast, but. The ball is also moving. Andrew Bogut, you know, unbelievable passer. Um, you know, and then you know you add Zaja Pachulia, who you know he, he, there's some things to like about him, and he probably fits them after they lost him. But he's not the passer uh, Bogut is. And you know, then Kevin Durant. I mean, he's a. He, I mean, he doesn't get paid in, to, to pass. So you've kind of changed that around. So I, I it's going to take them a while to figure out how to play with each other and how to play at that proficient of a rate. So I don't worry about the the. Uh, you know, the, the two 20-point losses, the things I would really worry about more as a coach is the fact that, you know, rebounding is, is a major issue. Um, you know, the, the playing physical is a major issue. So I think you'd have to focus on some of those things, and then the other stuff will take care of itself. The great players will eventually figure out um, how to play with each other. But, it's, you know, it's the from the coaching point of view, it's some of the nitty-gritty behind the scenes, the dirty stuff that I would be really majorly concerned with. Uh, they're not shooting the ball well. They're la- the, the Warriors are last, as we record this on Monday uh, midday, they are last in the NBA in spot-up shooting. I mean, it, they're 22.6% according to Synergy. That, to me, seems to be a bit of an outlier. Uh, it's obviously Clay Thompson is a large part of it. But is there anything to – Is that as a coach, do you hear that and say uh, – Hey, you know what? That says to me that these guys are uh, not in rhythm, or they're not understanding where each other are. Is there anything to that? Uh, yeah, no, a little bit. A little bit. It goes back to a little bit what I said earlier. Is that you know, with, the, with they they are an absolute rhythm team, and and God knows they may have been the best rhythm team in the history of the NBA at some points in the last couple of years. Because when that ball was moving and humming, and 
you know, they, they were getting shots in rhythm. And once again, you add, and, you know, another thing people don't realize is they threw the ball in the post quite a bit, but they never looked to score out of it. They used it as an opportunity to get rhythm shots out of it. And that's where they, Andrew Bogut was one of the reasons he was so good for them because he was such a great passer. And so now they, they don't throw it in the post anymore. Now they're really exclusively playing on the perimeter. You know, they do some ISOs for, for you know, KD, but, you know, those balls are usually being shot. They're not, they're not being passed. So, I think it just goes back to being being a rhythm team. If you can shoot as many perimeter shots as they have, you know the ball has got to move in rhythm and in sync, and then guys will kind of find where they're getting their shots, and they'll be successful. So I, 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 I I'm not. I don't think I'm telling anything that Steve Kerr doesn't know, and I think they're probably working on it as much as they can. But I, I think they'll eventually find that. And I'm not. I'm, I'm guessing that next time we do this, whenever it may be, they probably won't be last in spot up shots. The Kevin Durant says when he leaves Oklahoma City, well, they, they play the way I do. And if anyone's watched Kevin Durant, that's actually not true. It might be the way he thinks he plays, but it's actually not the way he's played at Oklahoma City. Uh, what is it going to take for him? Where's that disconnect, and how concerning is that disconnect? Um, I agree with you. When I saw he said that, I was a little bit like, really? Um, but uh, there is a little bit of a disconnect, once again, the one thing I've learned over my time in the NBA is like great players eventually, for the most part, figure it out. You know, and they've got such a core there um, that you know he'll he'll be more willing to pass. If you remember last year, towards the end, part of the reason why OKC played so great towards the end of the year was Kevin Durant was passing. Yeah, I think his assists went up like three three a game and like three from like three. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, from two assists to almost three assists a game to like six and seven in the last twenty games of the season. So he, he is a willing passer when he figures it out. Um, but, you know, right now they're just, they've got to get used to each other. And, uh, and I don't know. I, it, it's, it's challenging. But, like I said, I'm, big picture, I'm still not worried about it. They have some things to figure out. And it is not even November 15th yet. We'll get you more of the coach here. He keeps coming with great stuff. I want to remind you that if you are going to an upcoming NBA game or maybe one of these big college football games or even a theater or a show, the way to do it is SeatGeek. Get your phone right now and download the app SeatGeek and then put in the promo code LOCK and you get $20 off your first purchase. Why do you want to use SeatGeek? You want to use them because first thing they do is they compile all of the ticket piece available from all the different sites into one place, so you don't have to go be searching multiple places to find out which ticket. Second thing, they give you a ticket score on every single ticket so that you can figure out which prices are un- which tickets are underpriced, which deals are better, which ones might not be as good. When you look at it regularly, you have no idea. Is that a good deal? Is that a not? You don't have to worry about that. So SeatGeek's got all the tickets in one place. They've eliminated that issue. They've eliminated the issue of knowing if you have a good deal. It's absolutely right there for you. And then you just use the promo code LOCKED, and you get $20 back, plus it comes right to your phone it's absolutely the easiest number one place to use to buy tickets when you're going to a concert a game an nba game a college football game an nfl game do it seat geek is the answer the promo code is locked all the tickets in one spot the good ticket scores tell you which one to go for and don't forget you can set up a price alert if you want to so that if you have an event coming up that you want to see and want it at a certain price seat geek will notify you use the promo code locked and you get twenty dollars back after your first purchase are they running the same stuff? Uh, uh, they're in, in in concept, yes. Uh, you know, obviously, you know when you get a player like Kevin Durant, you're gonna you know you're gonna change things around a little bit, and you lose a passer like uh, Andre Bogut. But I, I would say uh, 80, 80 to eighty five percent they're running similar stuff. 
And defensively last year, the Warriors, I believe, forced, uh, I think the number was that they forced the most amount of drives. In other words, they're running you off the three-point line, then you have rim protection. And there's some argument in the numbers world that this is actually the right way to play defense. If you can force a high level of drives and protect the rim, you actually have a chance to be, maybe that's the script. But they don't have the rim protection anymore. Are you noticing, is, is there anything different in how they're playing defensively because of that? I, mean, I just I think that's really more just personnel driven. Um, one thing people don't realize about Andrew Bogut is he was always in the top five in rim protection as far as you know people scoring at the rim against him. You know, not that he was a great shot blocker, but he was just such a physical presence and and knew how to affect shots. Um, and you know, Jaja Petrulia, who tries to be physical and play hard, he he just doesn't have that same presence. So once again, I, it, we keep coming back to losing out on, on Andrew Bogut, but. Uh, um, if you have somebody that's a rim protector and you can get out and, and challenge the threes and make them drivers, uh, you know, that, that's going to be a pretty good formula. And you know, they don't they don't really have that right now. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't looked at it in the last couple of days. I think uh, Kevin Durant was their leading shot blocker. Uh, well, I know he was up until like after game four. So uh, that I'm just guessing that people don't fear him as a shot blocker when they drive in there. All right, final Warriors question. Uh, I think it was Jonathan Sharks over at uh, the Ringer wrote a piece saying, hey, what they used to do with their second unit is play fast with Barbosa, and they, they'd kind of outrun Livingston, they'd out you know, and they outrun everyone. Now they don't have Barbosa. They are a slower second unit with David West, and they can't play the same way with the second unit, and that's an issue. You're buying that? Um, yeah, a, a, a little bit. And, you know, when you, when you lose, you know, the, you know, the Harrison Barnes and you know, they, then the guys that they had to lose, I mean – it's, it's going to affect its personnel-wise base more than that. So I, I, I agree with that a little bit because they, that, that group did come in and just kind of played off it. And you know, uh, Barbosa just you know, kind of re, you know, reinvented his career, a reclamation project there, and played perfect for him. So, uh, yeah, it's a little challenge. I think going forward, like their, their bench is going, to, is going to be an issue maybe somewhat in the playoffs, um, um, especially if they get an injury during the regular season because it, 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 to me it's not as good uh, as it once was. All right, let me switch the focus. I think there's been a surprise team on each in each conference. Uh, let's start with the Eastern Conference surprise team, which I, I think with the injury to Chris Middleton, it's fair to say that the Milwaukee Bucks have been a bit of a surprise. I do, I will admit, when I ran my numbers on them this year and the pack stuff before the season, even without Middleton, they came out to be a playoff team. And I just didn't believe it. Uh, probably a bad loss for them in overtime last night to to Dallas, but they're four and three. What have you seen out of Milwaukee and where, and where they're coming from? Um, you know, they're an interesting team. I've actually, I'm kind of with you on it. I started, I watched them a little bit in the preseason. And then, um, you know, like I said, man, you know what, they kind of got something going on here. And uh, um, so I've kind of followed them a little bit. I, they did have a bad loss last night in Dallas. It was a back-to-back, um, you know, and that happens in Dallas. was at home and uh, hadn't won a game, so it was a little bit of a you know, hard game for them. But um, you know the, the way they you know they, they added uh, Toledovitz shooting. You know, obviously the Chris Middleton thing. I agree. When he went down, I was thinking <laughs> that they're in big trouble. Um, you know, they're playing uh, Giannis at um, basically point forward. Um, you know, and they added the, the um, oh crap, I'm drawing a blank right now. The Aussie point guard Delvadova. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, Delly. Um, so Delhi obviously is play, he, he's playing great and he can shoot. People don't realize that you know two years ago he shot forty percent from the three point line, so he helps them in the shooting. Um, but he's really playing well as almost like the second point guard. I know he's listed as a point guard, but Giannis is 
is handling the ball, you know, mostly in transition and even entering offenses. And then he kind of comes and gets it and then you know, ends up kind of being a secondary facilitator. So, um, and, and then just defensively, they have been super aggressive and super active. I, um, I just, their, their bigs are up and active and they, they've really, you know, early on, especially when offensive teams are struggling to find their way, they've done a nice job of impacting the ball and kind of keeping teams off base. So for them, it's going to come down if they can make shots. Um, at the end of the day, if, it, if, if this will, if this can sustain, um, they'll, they'll have to make some shots. And, uh, um, you know, so far they've done that enough, but they're an interesting team to watch. I mean, I think a lot of people wrote them off and, um, they, they, they've got a, a neat little group there. What do you, what are your thoughts on Jabari Parker? Uh, I think he has a chance to be a superstar. Um, you know, obviously got off the slow start with the, the knee injury and, you know, it, last year when he came back, he, he, you know, first time we were around him early in the season, he looked very uh, average at pedestrian. And late in the year, he really came on, and he hasn't missed a beat so far this year. He he has a chance to be special, and it goes back to a little bit of the, you know, he's big enough and thick enough. He, he, he plays a little bit like Draymond Green. Doesn't play defense that way, but you know they're playing him at four a lot. Uh, he can play three, um, and but he's big and strong, and he can shoot and pass and play. Uh, he's you know, other than the fact that being in Milwaukee, you know, I don't know how much they'll be on national TV, but when, when he gets an exposure, people are really going to kind of jump on him and see that he's really blossomed into what people thought he would be when he came out of college. So he's 18.6 rebounds, two assists. You, you see that going, that's totally legitimate. That's going up. You think he's got another, another level here? What's your thought? I, I think, I think he goes up. I really do. Some of the things he's done with the ball and in situations and, I mean, he he just he looks like a durable, rugged, solid NBA superstar in the making. Um, just the way you know he can play some three. He obviously, he's playing a lot of four. He's a matchup problem both ways because he's so big, you know, with, with with a three. But yet he's big enough as a four to be mobile and can shoot and pass. Um, so he he's he's a challenge. It's, it's going to be fun to kind of watch him. But I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up um, you know being a 24, 25 point game scorer. And, um, really helping that team. Wow. And they've even – Greg Monroe's box scores look decent. Is he not killing them like the way he was last year? Let me just say what Greg Monroe's defense and, and rebounding and going is, is he's – I mean, I've, I've never been a huge fan. He's a good player. But he's taken – early on so far, he's taken another step. You should go back and watch some of his defense and the pick and rolls and, and, and ways going after balls and attacking the ball. Um, he's, he's been a big key for him. Interesting. So – all right, so the idea that that actually might be one of the eight best teams in the West is not in the East is not crazy. Uh, early returns, I think it's going to come down if they can you know, figure out how to shoot the ball. But the way they're playing defensively right now and playing hard, uh, I would I would not be shocked at all if they're not in the playoffs. All right, I've got some other Eastern Conference teams we'll jump back to, but let's go to the Western Conference. I think the surprise you look right now, there's probably two surprise teams, uh, but the biggest surprise has to be the four and three L.A. Lakers. Uh, obviously, the win over the Warriors. They're three and zero at home. They've won three straight as we record this. What? How legitimate is this? Just fortuitous timing that they got the Warriors on the backside of Oklahoma City, or is there something to what the Lakers have going on? Well, I think there's a, there's a whole lot to it. Um, you know, obviously, Luke, Luke's come in and done a, just a terrific job. I've, I've talked to some of their people here recently, and he's come in and set just an, a, a, a standard of work, but yet in a positive atmosphere. Um, you know, obviously coming from the, you know, the Warriors, he's going to know, know what it was to be a champion, you know, and how they played. And, you know, they, 
from, from what I understand, it's the, the it's a total different vibe than it's been the past few years. And obviously, there's a lot of things that have changed that you know <laughs> that they've had to move to a new era. But one thing they don't realize, that people don't realize, is they've been kind of accumulating some pretty good young players over the last couple of years as they've kind of gone through the Kobe exit. And uh, you know, with Kobe being there, it became about Kobe last year, and, and those guys didn't really have the chance to blossom. And it, it kind of seems like Maybe in a different way you talked about the Clippers that those young guys have kind of, you know, said, okay, you know, he's gone now and it's, it's about us and the infusion of, uh, you know, Luke's system and, you know, and the culture Luke's trying to put in there. They've really, really, really just watching them and bought into it. And I, I, I told somebody the other day, I was talking to them, um, in watching them, they, they seem like they're playing free and with a lot of confidence. And you know that's so important for young young kids. Now, can they sustain that? We'll see. But uh, they they've got some talent. So. Before we wrap up with the coach, let me tell you about Athletes Collective. Athletes Collective is a sportswear company that offers premium athletic gear at an affordable price because it has no logos. It has no logos. They cost forty to fifty percent less than major brands, and they're great stuff. I'm wearing it all the time now that I've gotten hooked up with Athletes Collective. I wear the V-neck uh, tee. I liked it. Kevin Pelton the other day, we ordered him uh, a shirt for coming on, the Fulkerson. He got the regular one. I like the V-neck midnight blue and the laser blue. They're just $19 for a fabulous athletic premium gear. It just doesn't have a logo. All right, so you don't have the logo, but you're saving a ton of money. Clothing is pre-shrunk. You can wash it, dry them as many times as you'd like, and you'll never lose their original shape or form. High-quality fabric. You'll be stunned it's absolutely as good as anything else you've ever had, and it's so much less expensive. Free shipping in the U.S. and Canada as well. If you want the shirts I just mentioned, they're $19. It's incredible. The shorts, I've got a pair of shorts with me on the road right now. Those ones are $21. These prices are so reasonable, and the quality is just as good as anything you're going to get anywhere else. The Midnight Blue Crew Neck I was telling you about, that Kevin Pelton got $19. So in other words, what you really found out is I'm a cheapskate. I didn't really get Pelton a very nice gift. I spent $19 for Pelton for, as a thank you for coming on the show. It wasn't that good a deal. And if I use the promo code LOCKED at checkout, I got $15 or 15% off. 15% off with the promo code LOCKED. It's Athletes Collective. It's sportswear company offers premium athletic gear at affordable prices without the logo. Trust me. Check it out. You'll love it. At what point is a team like the Lakers just that they haven't been beaten down by losing yet? Maybe maybe they never do, but it, it seems as though everyone puts out this incredible effort this time of year, and it's it's almost as though they just haven't been beaten down by losing. Is that is there a legitimacy to that comment? No, absolutely, absolutely. And you know they've had a little bit of success, and goes back to what I just said. You know they're they're playing confidently right now. They're you know they're 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 playing you know up and down. We talked about rhythm with the uh, with the Warriors and. They're playing in rhythm. Ball's moving. The guys are having fun together, and uh, it, it, it's interesting. They're, they're trying to compete. I mean, you got Nick, Nick Young's the reclamation project within his own uh, organization. You know, Luke's got him playing great. Um, you know, so it, it's interesting. What you know, another one real quick thing about the Lakers is is the Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, component. Um, and you know, if you notice, they're you know, they're they're trying to play him a little bit as he gets more and more comfortable. Almost as like the point forward guy. He's a, he's got a great handle. I don't I don't think I realized just watching him in college um, how good a handle and how good a vision he has of passing. And you know what, what a nice weapon. I mean, I, be careful how you say this, but maybe you know being six eight six nine, maybe you know maybe like another guy that you know I guess twenty five years ago today had a life changing thing that you know could be 
you know, maybe he could be on the horizon, something similar to that. Wait a sec. You just called Brandon Ingram Magic Johnson. I didn't call him that. Okay. I didn't call him that. You alluded to it. All right. When I was, really, di- really dig into this one. Really break this one down for me. So, I mean, we're seeing him for seven games and 16 minutes a night. What, what is it uh, that you're seeing f- uh, from him that really has you that excited? Well, I mean, you obviously are seeing him and kind of popping out of your chair going, oh, my gosh. What are, what are those moments? Well, once again, being 6'8 and 6'9 and being able to do the things he can do with the ball um, is, you know, he, he has – he has a great handle to be that big. And obviously he's going to have to fill out in order to be a legit superstar NBA player because he's still obviously very thin. But he has a great handle. He, he seems like he has confidence to play against smaller guys when they try to pressure him um, when he's got the ball. And just a, he's a really, really good passer. And, uh, you know, the, the, the shot's good. And, I mean, I just think he has a skill set to really go into something special. And, and talking to some of the people, they, they kind of feel the same way. Uh, Julius Randle is – averaging 14 points and eight rebounds and three assists and shooting a non-sustainable 60%, I would think. Uh, but it just seems so easy to say, well, Luke Walton just turned him into Draymond Green. Is there anything to that? <laughs> uh, they have a similar game. Uh, Randall is probably a little better offensively, has a better offensive skill set than uh, um, Draymond, but you know, the one, the one thing Randall's always done, maybe not as much defensively as Draymond does, but you know Randall's on the court when he's playing. He's a big, strong, physical, mobile guy, and uh, you know early on he probably spent his, you know most of his energy doing that on the offensive end. But it seems like they've got him playing harder defensively, and um, you know, he, he's just a presence. I mean, he, you know he's on the court. What's it, good or bad now? Some, you know, early on, it's, you know, in his career it was as much bad as it was good, but it seems like he's maybe trying to figure it out a little bit. And, uh, you know, he just he just guys just plays you know, with so such aggression on the court. Right, I'm going to open up. I'm going to give you a very open ended question before I get back. Some of the teams I have on my list. You've mentioned Jabari Parker looking fabulous. You mentioned Brandon Ingram showing all the signs. Other players that you have seen so far in the opening week or two of the season that you're suddenly saying to yourself, "Oh, this is a different guy than what we saw before." Anyone else that comes to mind? Uh, his one is kind of his numbers aren't gaudy yet, but the, the, some of the things that he's doing, and I think it's probably helped Orlando. It's Aaron Gordon. Um, I am, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised he's he's shooting 40 percent from the three point line um, and taking three a game, and uh, he plays so hard and he, he has a chance to be you know, really really special. Um, and then I, I, I love, and this is not going to be any surprise, but the, the two young guys in Minnesota, their team hasn't. You know, quite gotten gotten it together yet on how Tibbs wants to play, but uh, Wiggins and, and Towns, the, the, those two guys are just unbelievably special. I mean, they are <laughs> they, they are so good. They got that that organization's really got something special to build around. Uh, you know, going forward with those two guys. I watched Wiggins the other night, and and maybe I'm unfair to him because I just thought he was. You know, maybe he's going to be Scottie Pippen instead of being Michael Jordan, and I thought he was going to be Michael Jordan, and so that's the standard I'm keeping him to. But I get frustrated that I don't think he can dribble more than twice. Um, I know they played him a little point the other night, but just when he gets the yeah. ball, he get, they get the he gets the ball on the wing. It's one two and go and and I don't know. Is that is that a, that's I can hear in your voice. You think that's unfair? I, I think it's a bit unfair. I mean, he's a young player and uh, he's still still trying to learn. I agree. He's got to, You know, he's going to have to continue to grow that. But I. 
I just think he can get a shot and create a shot more so than I thought he could early on. I was a little surprised by as much as he's been able to do. I think he's improved it, um, but uh, I think he, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll continue to grow it. I, I think he has a chance to be really, really good. Here's another one that um, I'm going to throw this out is, um, and everybody kind of liked Devin Booker last year as it went on, but how about T.J. Warren in Phoenix? He's averaging 22 points a game through seven games. Um, I mean, the, yeah, he's a guy that's kind of slowly come you know, on, and this may be a breakout year for him. Well, he put up 25 a game at NC State a few years ago. Yeah, well, yeah, but he has, you know, someone's been injury, and you know, their situation's been a little bit up and down with all the, you know, the, the different things going on with their roster and their coaches, but. Um, he, he's off to a great start. He, this could be a breakout year for him. It's hard to tell sometimes on these teams that aren't particularly good. And I, Phoenix is two and five, so it's probably too early to say. I mean, someone's—they're going to score a hundred points. Someone's got to score them. So sometimes I get a little nervous on trying to figure out. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, there's, there's thirty teams. That, there's thirty teams that are all going to score hundred points. So somebody's got to score. Them. Right. So, you know, the old thing is, if you can score them, you can score them. <laughs> so I don't—I don't worry about that that much. All right, let me roll through some of the other teams out there. If you've seen them, let us know. If you haven't analyzed them or seen them yet, um, we can move on. Uh, Boston's in the bottom five defensively right now. Any major concern there? Uh, obviously a little bit. Um, you know, they once again adding Al Horford. You know, they're um, and, uh, you know then he's now he's been hurt. I, I think the biggest concern with them is um, they, they've had on and off a lot of injuries. I think yesterday they sat out like five guys when they played um, and lost at home. So uh, I, I think you'd have to have a little more of a sample of when they're all healthy. And with Jay Crowder being out the last, what, three or four games, I mean, he, he's kind of their tough guy that kind of pulls everybody together on the defensive end. So that that, that probably has something to do with it. All right. Uh, continuing kind of just, again, just kind of flying through uh, each one of these teams. H- how good a coach is Steve Clifford? Because they're four and one, and he just seems to always have them playing at a high level. Should he be in the discussion? I mean, he's not—he doesn't get the Brad Stevens love and some of that other stuff. Should he be in that conversation? Well, absolutely. I think he's a terrific coach, and um, you know, I think the, the one thing that he does is he—he's very well organized. He doesn't try to do anything that's you know above the player's head. If you—if you watch him, they don't—they don't do anything. You go ooh and ah about. But what they do, they do it terrific. You know, they're very, very solid defensively. You know, they play hard. They cut, you know, they, they, they push the ball in the transition um, offensively. Really, their team's not great shooters. Um, but yet they make, they make the right plays. And, and of course, you know, Kimball Walker being a point guard, you know, he, he, you talk about underrated. I mean, he's probably one of the most underrated guys in the league, too. I mean, I think he's in like top 13 or 14 in scoring right now in the league. And um, so, no, I agree with you. I, if you just watch, they're, once again, he he's just solid, and he gets his players to play at the same way just about every night. And Kemba Walker, what's the evolution there? Because I got I talk about. I mean, if we're going to all act like we know stuff, let me talk about when I don't. I mean, I was convinced this was a guy who was never going to shoot over forty percent in his NBA career. Uh, he came in the league as a he he shot. He came in the league old. He shot a low percentage his first two years. Uh, he looked like he was going to be on the small guard DJ Augustine under forty percent shooter trajectory. What changed in him? It's a good question. Obviously, I, I mean, I'm not working with him every day. I, it's hard to hard to know that. And I, I agree with that. I, I probably have liked him a little bit more than you have, uh, but I could have seen that path. But uh, he's really last year and this year has really just taken a huge, huge jump. And you know, 
who knows what it is at the end of the day usually it's guys that, that care and work and then have some intelligence and, and can see what's going on around them and they 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 figure out what they have to do to be successful and sounds like he's done that but I, I don't obviously not being around him I don't know what the, the key is but he's turned himself into like I said one of the most underrated great point guards in our league all right two more eastern conference teams question about than one western conference team we'll let the coach go nba coach with us here anonymously breaking down the first week of the season really special stuff here on locked on nba part of the locked on podcast network uh the atlanta hawks are the number one differential team in the nba i liked them a lot i picked them fourth in the east to start the year uh they were the number one defensive team post all about post-February 1 or January 1 last year. I think Howard's probably a better defensive player than than Horford, so some of this doesn't surprise me, but are they as good as the numbers make them look? Uh, I think it's still a bit too early to tell. Um, I, uh, I, I really like the, the uh, I think the front line now complements each other a little bit better as much as I'm an Al Horford fan, but you know, with, with Dwight Howard and Paul Millsap, I mean, that's pretty good front line there. They complement each other very well. And, and that's a team that as much as they play on the perimeter and they like to run, they they needed probably Dwight Howard, who seems to be a bit motivated, uh, more motivated than he has been to, to prove people wrong. And if he's, if he's himself doing that, then, you know, obviously he's, he's hard he's hard to deal with. So uh, he, he should do nothing but help that defense because he is definitely a presence. So I like him. Um, you know, still kind of early to see. Uh, they made a big gamble on going Dennis Schroeder, who's off to a good start. He's playing great. And, uh, you know, they kind of gave it to him. You know, now you just got to see if the young fellow can kind of sustain that. What's your thought? Is he good enough? I think I think he has the skill to do it. I know, you know, I've been around him a little bit. I know he has the drive and he thinks he's good enough, which is a big part of it, especially if you're going to be a, you know, a killer point guard in this NBA, which you, know, you got to, to be a great point guard, the ones you have to go against, you have to have a killer mentality. And he's got that. Um, you know, so I, I, we'll see. I, it's, it's now his, right? You know, he's been kind of wanting it to be his. And, uh, you know, early returns are he's played really well. You know, but it's all, you know, we're only like seven to ten days in the season and where he's the man. So hopefully he'll be able to hold up. But, you know, we'll see. He's, he's a big key, I think, to their team. A team that a lot of people really liked that when I've watched this year, I didn't think looked right. They're three and three, uh, so it might be too early to say that. But Indiana doesn't look right to me. New coaching staff, maybe it's just going to take some time. But what's your thought on what you've seen out of the Pacers? Um, I think it's I think it's kind of what you said. I think it's going to take them a little bit to try to figure out um, their uh, you know who they are. I think their their defense is obviously taking a you know step back. Um, you know, at the start of the year, I'm sure it's not where they want it to be, but. You know, to me, I, I saw an interesting stat the other night, and I actually kind of went back and watched the game to see it. But uh, you know, Monte Ellis the other night only took four shots, and you know, Monte Ellis is a proven, like above average, really, really good scorer in this league. Um, but you know, he's got to have the ball in his hands, and you know, with Jeff Teague coming in, you know, he, Jeff Teague has the ball in his hands a lot. You know, to do, be able to do what he does, and obviously you got Paul George. Uh, so it goes back to what was kind of been the theme of this early in the year is, you know, when you inject, you know, new dominant players into systems, it, it just takes them a while, you know, to kind of figure out and how to play it, how to play with each other. And, you know, everybody, you know, one, we shorten the preseason games a little bit, but even in the preseason, you know, the, these guys don't play a ton of minutes together. So, you know, you're still now, you, now they're playing 30 minutes a night, you know, most of that together and trying to figure out where they get their shots and stuff. And, 
Um, I, I think the offensive stuff will figure out with them, but I, I agree that they haven't been right. And, you know, you know Dave, there's a lot of people right there in the preseason that got really excited about them and act like they had a chance to really, really challenge for something. And, um, you know, we'll see. But the other thing, much as, as uh, Miles Turner is, is a phenomenal talent and has had some great, great games, you know, he's still a young kid, and I think consistency, he, he's a big key to their team. Um, and, he, and how consistent he can be playing both ends of the floor. I mean, obviously, you talk about, you know, um, jaw-dropping things he's done. He, you know, once or twice a game, he just does something that's just absolutely phenomenal for a 6'11", 7-foot guy. Um, but I think right now, just the, the, his youth and his body and his consistency um, is, is an area where he's really got to improve on. Remember, this is Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a podcast for you on your favorite team all across the network. So find your Locked On blank and then subscribe on iTunes to your favorite team and get your team every day. Uh, let's wrap it up. I'm just going to kind of leave this open-ended. I think there's four Western Conference teams that are interesting right now. Uh Portland and Utah on the upper end, and then whether or not Denver or Sacramento are ready to make a move. Any of those teams that you've seen recently, and does anything jump out to you about any or all of those four? Um, well, I, th- I think the, the move of the summer, other than Kevin Durant, had to be uh, George Hill going to Utah, huh? Wow. Um, early on, early on, he has just played, especially with the absence of uh, Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, I, I, he is just the, the games I've watched to them. You know, he, he's been the guy that when they need something to step, somebody step up and do something, he's done it and done it in a great, great way. I, I think it's that's a huge, huge asset for for the Jazz having uh, having George Hill. Um, you know, I think Portland. That's all stat the other day. Portland scored, uh, like, I guess, last night against Memphis. Barely got it, but has it been like forty straight games that Portland scored over a hundred points? You know, so obviously that backcourt they have, and I think they've done a good job up there of kind of mixing in what. You know, they know their two guys are, you know, the the, the backcourt, and they've done a great job with their roster, like filling in around them. Um, so I think I don't think they're going away. I know some people thought last year may have been a little bit of flash in the pan, but they can't. They have two guys in the backcourt, McCollum and Lillard, that are just they're they're special. And you know what? They like playing together. That's scary in itself. <laughs> so um, they're going to be good. Uh, Denver, you know, if you look at let me let me jump in here, Coach. Let me jump in here for a second. I want to go back to George Hill. How much okay. is this an outlier seven games, or is he, how good a player is he really? From a coach, he seems like the type of player that coaches would like more than most people. How good a player is he? Well, okay, here's here's one thing I want to challenge. I think he's a really good player. He's solid. He's, a, he's the ultimate pro. You know, he, he competes defensively. He can he can make spot up shots. He's a, you know, he's a winner. Um, but the one thing that you you have to do because you know, uh, Indiana was my scout last year. Um, last year he got off to an unbelievable start in Indiana, like like really 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 good, and he kind of faded a little bit as the year went on. So I think that would be you know a concern for as much as he's been great for the Jazz um, early on um, is if he can sustain it because I, I just like I said that I, mean, I haven't watched every Jazz game, but the games I've seen him play, he he has just been terrific. Okay, so Denver and Sacramento is where I cut you off as you were heading down that road. Yeah, Sacramento is going to be a work in progress all year long. I, can, I don't think you can judge them right now or even have an idea um, of how good or how bad they can be. You know, they, they have to come a long way culture-wise. Um, you know, they still have some things going on. But at the end of the day, they got some talent. And, uh, um, you know, so, so you'll, you'll just see. I, I just was actually early this morning watching the Toronto game last night. And, uh, 
they, you know, Toronto's started their two rookies, uh, at the bigs, uh, Jakob Pertl and, uh, Sakim Sakam. Yep. And, uh, they, they doubled, they doubled, uh, Cousins in the post every time he caught it. And the, the most intriguing thing about it was Cousins didn't even blink. He just picked them apart with passes. So, you know, he's just such a talented guy and can do it in so many different ways. You know, you just don't know. So I, I, I guess Sacramento, it's hard to know. I think they're going to be a work in progress for a while because, you know, of all the, the turbulence they've had there in that organization. And then, you know, Denver, you know, I, Denver's a team you should probably watch. Um, you know, some of it's going to come down to how good Mude can be, and that's going to come down if he can make shots. But, you know, the, the Gallinari is just – he's another one that may be one of the best under best players in the NBA that's underrated. And he's had some injury problems, but he can play three and four. Um, they actually play a little bit more at three this year than they did last year. Um, and then uh, um, uh, uh, Wilson Chandler has been hurt. He's just playing terrific. He's a good player, too. He's been hurt for like two of the last three years and people forget about. So Denver's a team uh, that, you know, at the end of the year, if they're in there, it would not surprise me one bit. And one thing I go back to, just to kind of end that on Denver, you know, we've talked about Portland and Utah and Minnesota and that the Northwest Division has some great coaching in it. (laughs) So watch that, too. Well, Coach, maybe we'll get into some of the coaching trends, things we're seeing uh, when we talk again next, because this was kind of a nice overview of a weekend, and I think you begin to see play sets and trends and all the stuff you're analyzing all the time more in the upcoming week, so hopefully we can we can check back soon. That was fabulous. 40 minutes. Really appreciate the time, Coach, and, uh, and continue to watch what is definitely becoming a better NBA season by the day. Absolutely. It's fun, Dave. Anytime. That is the coach here on Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's show brought to you by SeatGeek, the only place to get your tickets. Get the app SeatGeek, enter in the promo code LOCKED, you get $20 back on your first purchase. And Athletes Collective, you may not have heard of Athletes Collective, check it out. You will absolutely be blown away by Athletes Collective and use the promo code LOCKED, you get 15% off your first purchase. It's all here from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When Flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates the rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose the best. Sometimes it's ours, sometimes it's not. When the fox walks, is it called a fox trot? That's a real question. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.